Welcome back to Talking Tillies. For the first time ever, all three of us here are actually to talk about the results of games. Um, crazy that it's taken 20 episodes. This is the 20th episode of the show as well. We've, with the breaks, we've currently been doing this for half a year. Crazy. Time flies when you're um, pretending to be something alongside two awesome people. So thank you for joining me for 20 episodes, guys. And uh, what a way to kick it off because a 3-0 win um, in the closing uh, minutes of the game. Um, first half wasn't great. Uh, second half, second half of the second half was a lot better. Um, but for those of you that have been living under a rock in Matilda's football world, we did play on the weekend against Uzbekistan in leg one of two to qualify for the Olympics. Uh, Michelle, how are you this week? How are you feeling after Saturday? I am good. Summary. Uh, Cody, you were at a wedding. You didn't get to watch the game. Um, how are you feeling um, after what you've obviously been reading and seeing little bits of? Um, how are we this week? Yeah, yeah. Look, definitely trudging along. Um, nice introduction. Although, Josh, there's no talking tillies without you, so we're not the only awesome people here. Um, Give yourself some credit. <laughs> I clap myself in the back when I uh, edit and upload everything. Else. It's okay. Um, so, leg one of two down. Uh, three goals in hand coming home. Apparently they don't mean anything in uh, this format either. Away goals, Cody. Um, I know we did mention that last week. Oh. Apparently away goals don't mean anything in Olympic qualifying. Um, the magic of football is being lost as we I know. speak. So let's start where everyone started with the lineup. Um, there are a few, I think, question marks. Um, a few people unaware of how jersey numbers work as well uh, that are maybe new to the game. So we'll, we'll probably just touch on this to start things off. Uh, Caitlin Torby is going to be wearing 20 again uh, come Wednesday. 20, unlike the US or the, the uh, is it CONCACAF they play in? Um, no. What are they playing? What is it? Was I right? The US yeah, you were saying CONCACAF. CONCACAF, yeah, cool. I was right. I, I should have trusted talking myself. for a sec. That's okay. Um, <laughs> you have to register a squad 1 to 22 numbered that way. No number belongs to any one person. That is the beauty of football, um, and it always will be uh, 1 through 23 on the back of a jersey at international level, no matter who wears the jersey. So, um I don't know if any of you guys have an opinion on this, but obviously we saw the clip of Caitlin Torby kind of vocalizing her um, kind of... Her worry? Call, yeah, worry. I was going to say grievance, but it wasn't a grievance. It was definitely a worry of wearing 20 on debut for the Matildas. I think she did a pretty damn good job. Um, considering it was her debut, um, there wasn't much happening in that first half, but when she got the ball at her feet, she did a pretty damn good job. So um, thoughts on... The, the the squad announcement drama when people realise that twenty goes to somebody else. Oh, Cody, you're laughing first at me. on this one. No, people are idiots. Honestly, <laughs> go get your brain checked. Go touch some grass. Like it's just a number. Numbers don't belong to anybody. Um, and also, I think the biggest point is that Sam Kerr doesn't care. <laughs> Sam Sam's there for the team. She's there to play a game, and at the moment she can't. So. Yeah, people are acting like Sam's died and we have to retire the number. Like, it's all right, guys. Sam will be back wearing the 20s soon enough. But for now, 
Caitlin Torpy needs to have a number. And yeah. that was the number that she was given. I think it's funny because we're seeing the same thing in the US right now because Alex Morgan has come in to replace one of the players and their rules, you have to take the number of the player that you're replacing. So she doesn't yes. have to wear her regular well, 13. She has I'll to also seven. say Alex Morgan's post was maybe a bit, uh, maybe not the nicest post either. Um, yeah. It was a bit weird. Anyways, it that's was. a different that's a different podcast. We're not uh, a drama podcast. Cody, your opinion on uh, that kind of squad number announcement? Uh, I've got a few things I can say. First, I'm going to embarrass myself a little bit. I'll tell you a story from my childhood. It was the 2006 World Cup, I believe. I was six year old. Six year old didn't really know how football work worked. Australia was playing Brazil in the um, men's World Cup. Australia, obviously, being the wayside, was wearing navy blue that day. I went through, I think it was about 60 minutes of that match before I turned to my parents and went, why is Tim Cahill playing for Brazil? He's not wearing um, the gold jersey. Before I realised Australia plays in an away kit and things change in football sometimes. So thinking about how I was in my days as an oblivious and somewhat stupid child, I can honestly sympathize with some people when they don't always know how football works it's a great learning opportunity um when it comes to international football no one necessarily keeps a number you're always going to have a squad number 123 you're never going to see a number 74 in international football to keep peace with other people's numbers but the thing so yeah in that oh, sorry before i move on to that point in that regard I can kind of see why people are confused. Wait, wait, saying, wait, Sam Kerr's number 20, why is someone else wearing number 20? It's a learning opportunity for them as long as they're not sitting there and complaining that someone else is wearing it, which I know some people have. Personally, I don't care. I'm happy to explain the issue to them. Treating it that, having a go at Caitlin Torby for it, that's the part where I sit there and go, come on, like, this is a young kid coming into a side. She's being given a number. It's not really been her choice. Like, cut us a slack a little bit. See, well, I've seen lots of those comments of people right. just being like, that's Sam's number, it should be reserved yeah. for Sam. I've it's seen right. lots of those. And I'm like, bro, uh, like, relax. For me, it's a 50-50 split. But like I said, the first part I can sympathise with because I was once an oblivious football fan as well. Mind you, though, I was six. The last part that I probably have an actual grievance with is if you're taking Sam Kerr's number, there's a fair bit of pressure that comes behind it. Naturally, considering who your successor is, even though, she will return to it at one stage or another. I know it's a minor thing to have a go at, but why give it to the David get David's on? Like, you could probably give it to someone who, even if it's not necessarily a starting member because they'll have their numbers already, maybe give it to someone with a little bit more experience. Maybe give it to Cooney Cross. I don't know. I, I just felt a little bit weird for Caitlin Torpy in that situation. Like, there's enough pressure on her being a debut already. Why then go, okay, we're going to give you arguably our greatest play whoever in our history's number and you're going to fill those boots today it's it's just a little bit harsh in my opinion yeah um and it's probably a good learning lesson guys that what you post on social media can potentially end up in the eyes of the players because caitlin from the clip to be was... fair speaking on that video it sounded like that was her conversation before people even knew about the number yeah, or anything I think it was like beforehand. that i so mean she the knew number... what was coming which is yeah. kind of sad yeah so just one of those things that be careful on socials because we've got to look after people, um, especially our young guns coming through. Um, but, yeah. All right. Let's move on from that drama to how we lined up. 
Um, we're going to step through this game because it was a little, like obviously there was, <laughs> there was a lot of, a, not even a little, it was a big meltdown on social media when everyone realized Caitlin Ford wasn't starting. Um, purely just because of load management, that happens. Um, we have seen enough injuries that we don't need to be throwing people into the fray. Caitlin ended up coming on and making a huge impact in the game. Um, but how did you see this uh, starting 11 and this formation, Michelle? What was your opinions on it when you saw it drop and even um, right through the game? Did you think it worked? Was it the right thing? Again, for those listening at home, we are not qualified coaches or tacticians. We only go off what we saw and provide our opinions on said things. Michelle, take it away. Um, well, when I first saw it, I was like, I hate this graphic. Why do they keep going with this block graphic? It is terrible. Um, with all my love to the Matildas team, please change your graphic so we can at least see the formation properly. It's terrible. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, at first I was very confused. I was like, what is this formation? What are we doing here? Um, and then I realized that we were playing uh, Emily Van Egmond as a forward. And I was like, oh, this is fine. You know, like that meme of the dog in the flaming house. Um, yeah. Um, I think when you look at it on paper, it's a really good lineup, right? Caitlin Torpy on the wing. Um Mary Fowler up front, uh, Cooney Cross and Minnie in the middle. Like it, it's all relatively good. I just think that they did not play very well. I think this lineup had a lot of hope and it, was, it had all the makings to be very good. I just don't think it was executed. And I think, I don't know if it was the conditions. I don't know if the pitch was, you know, good or, and, and not slippery. Um, I don't know if it was because they were playing in the snow or whatnot, but it just wasn't working for them. Haley Rasso couldn't string a pass and she was getting angry at like every two seconds. It seemed, I was like, Oh my God, why are you so angry? Please relax. Are you going to get, you know, um, booked? Um, Emily Van Egmont had probably the worst game of her life. Um, Mary Fowler was pretty quiet for the most part. Obviously she got a, a, a goal, which was good. Um, Again, it's not a position that she would normally play in. And the same with Emily Van Egmont. It's not like their normal positioning. So it's like, why did we start with that and not have our striker or, our, you know, the person who plays as a striker, Michelle Heyman, why was she on the bench for most of the game? Um, because when she came off the bench, she obviously got us the opening goal. And I think kind of changed the momentum of the game. Um, I don't know. I, I think it was, for me, um, I didn't see enough of Caitlin Torpy to kind of have, you know, much of a um, an opinion. I think, you know, overall a good, you know, a good debut, 45 minutes. Um, but, yeah, you know, it, it was needed to put in Caitlin Ford, someone with a bit more experience, especially when, you know, it's still nil all at the half and things, you, you kind of need someone who's, you know, maybe known to score a goal. And obviously she didn't score until like right at the end. But, you know, there's a bit more experience in that. Um, I would like to see Caitlin Torpy playing some more. Um, I think, you know, she's in that squad for a reason and she's obviously been named in the 22 for a reason. So, yeah, um, yeah I think overall not a good game. Not much to say on the defenders. Um, 
I think Steph Catley had a great game. Yeah. Um, I don't think Ellie Carpenter should be player of the match. Very fair. Um, just for those of you that were confused like me after seeing um, Caitlin Torpy, obviously, as defender for Melbourne City to then play on the wing, um, Michelle and I did have this conversation off air. She does actually play as a winger uh, for the 23s team, and, and that's why um, that has transitioned across. And I, I, when she was on the ball, she did good. More time in that role is probably going to help her um, settle in, but good to see a fresh face, Cody. Um, your thoughts? I know you're at a, a wedding, but we were giving you the updates when we could. Um, having you look at it on paper now, what are your opinions? Knowing the outcome as well, um, do you have anything to add in here? First of all, trying to keep up with notifications was difficult. I was trying to work out why I was receiving nothing from Footmob, and then I just realised, oh wait, we're just simply not scoring. And then I don't check my phone for twenty, and then it's like, oh, we won three nil. So that was a pleasant surprise when that came through, at least. But um. Honest, in a way, it kind of turned out how I expected it. Yeah. Not great viewing at all. Bit of a grind, bit of a got to do what you got to do to kind of get through. But we ended up overpowering him and then with a, I guess, convincing result in the end. Maybe not a convincing performance, but I'm never going to complain about a 3 0 win. Look, going to Central Asia is always going to be a difficult thing to do. I, we see it with the Socceroos all the time. They go to those countries, and even when it's a side that we should be, if we're playing them in Australia, we'd beat them by four, five, six goals. We tend to struggle. Maybe you don't even get a result. We'll draw, lose. It, it's a very tough place to go. You're going, you're going. There's substandard conditions, substandard pitches, weather, weather and climate's always different. You talk about Haley Russo getting frustrated. I'll be honest, I didn't see it mainly because I didn't watch the game in as much detail as you two. But I wouldn't be surprised when you're going from England where they make sure everything's pristine, whether it's a bit cooler, it's better conditions suited for football. And then you go to Uzbekistan. It is a little bit hot. They're not maintaining pitches as well as what they do in Europe or in Australia. And overall, it's a little bit of a shit experience to play football in. Those players that aren't used to that end up struggling. So I'm not surprised about the comments that I've seen after this game that, oh, what the hell's going on? We should be beating this team. We should be smacking them. Why haven't we? When you, after you've watched a lot of Asian football, you start to not just realize what it's like to go over there, but you kind of expect it to. In saying that, I can still understand the frustration and share the frustration because we're a good side and you, you, there's an expectation around the Brazilians now to assert themselves as a dominant team when they play. Yeah. So we'll see it when they come to Melbourne. I think I think that'll be a bit more of a dominant game. But the parts that Michelle, I'm going to just kind of trunk jump on the points that you made because they're the best points that I think I can talk about now because, like I said, I haven't watched the game in an overly large amount of detail. Yeah, she plays as a winger in the under-23 setup. She played as a striker for Preston Lions. I know she can be an attacking outlet. I still think her uh, best position's at the back. You've put enough. You've got a debutante taking a number that's putting enough pressure on her, and then on top of that, you're putting her out of position. They haven't really set her up for success in this match, but... From what I could see, she had some good touches on the ball. She was able to get herself in good positions. Probably could have scored as well. Maybe nerves um, stopped her from taking a shot when she had a pretty good chance on goal and decided to play it across to Van Egmont and then the chances kind of disappeared. That's nerves. I'm not going to see it happen and say, oh my gosh, yeah. you should have scored that. How dare she miss? Look, she probably should have, but that's not my responsibility. 
it is what it is. It's the first game. I'll cut her a bit of slack. Yeah. If she does it after a hundred, then maybe we can have some conversations. <laughs> but it, like that's that's the thing that you can kind of look past. At the end of the day, we've got the result. It is what it is. You talk about not playing with a striker in our formation as well. I'm not surprised uh, Michelle Hammond didn't start this game mainly because she was re- re-entering the side, reintegrating. You're probably going to go with someone that's been had a bit more recent experience. You've got either Fowler or Van Egmore. Look like Van Egmore was kind of sitting as a lone nine with Fowler sitting a little bit deeper. From what I could see, at least I yeah. could be a little bit wrong in that regard. Mm-hmm. I think we've kind of learned that. Yeah, we kind of need to play with a number nine. It didn't. It we made, found a way to make it work in the World Cup, playing against Sidelock Uzbekistan, where they are going to sit deep. Look, think back to the World Cup as well. The one game that didn't really work was against Nigeria and how they play. They sat nine, ten players behind the ball, and we're trying to catch us on the counter, but they were set up resolute very well defensively. We always knew Uzbekistan were going to set up the same way. We probably needed a different plan to what works against maybe, say, a Canada or a, maybe not even Ireland, a Denmark, or those types of games. Yeah. In that regard, moving forward, we see Michelle Hammond can do it at Matilda's level still. I'd expect her to be starting come Wednesday night, but I'm going to give, I'll give Tony some grace for making that call in this game. Substitution seemed to work well. Caitlin Ford was able to come in. She was able to impact the game very well. Michelle, Michelle Heyman was able to come in. She impacted the game very well. It looked like once those subs were made, we were able to get a bit more freedom going forward. And it's what you need in these types of games. You're playing against a resolute back line. They're, they're playing in their home ground. I know the crowd wasn't exactly an intimidating atmosphere or anything like that, but this is a historic game for Uzbekistan. They'd be pumped up on adrenaline. They would have been defending for their lives, and from what I could say, they were. Mind you, we probably should still have should still should have been up to nil a half time, but that's another conversation we can have later on. We probably needed a bit of experience to get that through as well. I know Tony used the rhetoric of load management. I'm going to be honest; it's it's a phrase that I'm kind of getting sick of hearing. You go into games like this, you need to make decisions that are best for your team, make decisions that are best for the game coming up. You want to rest a rester in Melbourne. This is probably the more important game, if anything. I'd I'd be doing my best to get a side on as good as possible. Now, I don't know if there were any like immediate injury concerns. If there was, I'm happy to retract that statement. But we probably needed a bit of experience going into that game or at least a bit of know-how in those situations. You talk about Caitlin Torpy as well. Yes, she played well. She's still a young player. She's still not going to be used to that kind of pressure, that kind of situation. Playing her out wide in a position that was going to be key to this match in a game like that probably wasn't the wisest decision. Saying that though, I am having a mental blank about who I probably would have put there instead if Caitlin Ford was unavailable. I'll give you a name, Sophie Harding. See, well, she's not in the squad. I know, I know, but like, oh, if, oh, like if okay. you if you know you're going to bench Caitlin for that first game, right? When you submit the squad, I got a question, Josh. Do you want me to have this conversation now or later? Because I've got an opinion on this. No, let's go. Let's go into it now. That's fine. Sorry, Michelle. I'm going to take the floor away from you for a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, with Sophie Harding, I. I can see that they're just going for it. It actually goes against what I was saying before. They probably were going for the more experienced players in this game. They didn't want Sophie Harding, who came in late to the squad, in the actual match day squad. I'd argue we should be a bit braver with our decisions in that, in situations like this. We're fighting for we're fighting for a position at the Olympics. We're going up against a side that is significantly inferior to us on paper, at least on a match day. You never know what's going to happen. Do we need four centre-backs in a squad? Because we're only going to play two. And the reality is, unless a freak uh, sequence of injuries occurs, we're not going to sub two into a match. We'd be lucky to sub in one. Do we need two on the bench? 
in my opinion, you stock up on attackers. That way, if you end up in the situation that we did where Caitlin Ford's underdone one, and two, we do go a large part of the match where we're struggling to score, and we need maybe something different, maybe a bit of dynamism. Sophie Harding provides that. I know I said it to you last week. I had a kind of a massive rant, and it, it, looking back on it, it's a bit weird about why she shouldn't start. But I 100% would be backing her to come in and impact that game. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, like, if you're going to throw a debutante in there and put a debutante, yes, they played in there in the young Matilda setup, right? But you've got a a winger that's in form coming from the league who plays out wide. If you're going to debut someone. Sure, like this Ford thing could have come in three days after they had to it's, submit the squad or whatever. It's an interesting one because but, Sophie Harding does do her best work as a number nine. She can play as a wide player. I've never really been a fan of her as a wide player. But in this system, it could have we could have seen something different. You've got great creative players behind her. Yeah. It could come into a bit of a sense of positioning play where, yeah, she's listed as a winger, but she's coming into the half space a lot more. She's getting in the same areas as she would at the Wanderers anyway. If you're playing a system like that, yeah, 100%. She'd probably be good as a wide player. Like I said as well, when I, the times that I've watched her as a winger, she hasn't exactly been in great squads, to say the least. That yeah. Newcastle Jets side of a few years back and the Wanderers side of last season, I can't say it were great testaments to what you can judge a player on because both those sides weren't very good. But like it comes back to squad selection. I wouldn't mind us seeing a bit braver and going, hey, yeah, Sophie Harding's new to the squad. She hasn't got experience in Matilda set up before, but this is a game that could suit her strengths. I don't care if Polkinghorne has 100-plus caps or if, so, or if Avi Lewick's still a current Champions League player. We don't need four centre-backs. Let's sit out one of them and have a player on the bench that, even if we don't use, is still going to be of use to us. For all we know, the, the game goes either two ways. Uzbekistan were definitely not going to beat us by four or five goals and we were going to need to go in a damage limitation. So it's either... We go out, we play really, really well, and we're smacking him. And the reality is, we don't need to bring on so many defensive subs to hold out the game. Or Uzbekistan get a cheap goal against us, defend for their lives, and we need to bring on forwards to try and impact a game and get us ahead. Or it's a nil or stalemate, which is what happened, and we need attackers to come on and try and get us ahead. There's no real scenario that's coming to my head that requires us to need have the need to bring on two centre backs, unless, like I said we have a freak sequence of injuries. Yeah. So in that regard, I wouldn't mind us seeing, wouldn't mind seeing us be a little bit braver in going, you know what? I don't care what this person's reputation is. Throw her in there, throw her on the bench. She gets on, she gets on. If she doesn't, so be yeah. it. But she's definitely more use on the bench than what, say what, a Navy look or a clear parking horn. There's no disrespect to them, but it's the nature of their positions. No one likes Amy. touching a centre-back pairing. Avi did end up coming on too. Did Claire? <laughs> no. no. Uh, there, there we go. We didn't need her on the bench. <laughs> Michelle, you mentioned conditions too. How much do you reckon going from doing camp in Dubai to zero degrees and snowing probably had an effect considering we were flying in for the game, flying back out that night, not spending any time in Uzbekistan? I've got to apologize. It was snowing during the game. I'll take my comment back about the climate. Then, Although then yeah. again, it might be a little bit colder than what I was like, snows in England all the time. I'll take back it, that part back. It was minus degrees and coming out of camp in Dubai, um, Probably definitely did have some form of okay, yeah, effect flying into that for 12 hours and back out again. Um, coming home, Michelle, uh, what would you like to see done to this starting 11? Um, you mentioned Michelle Heyman up front. I think that is a must. I, we need to go in with a nine 
is a proven one that can get there and be a target. What other things would you like to see change? Um, well, for starters, Emily Van Egmond on the bench. Um, I'm sorry to Emily Van Egmond and all of her fans, but we need to move on. I think the Matildas have moved on for the need of Emily Van Egmond. Um, she hasn't, in my personal opinion, hasn't proven herself to me in recent years. And the annoying thing is, is that what she does is she'll score an absolute worldie and will maintain her spot and then will continue to make mistakes in the midfield. Um, I think we're better off with Cooney Cross and Gori in the midfield. I think that's a pretty solid pairing. I do wonder as well if they will rest um, Minnie because she's played quite a lot in England recently. Um, and obviously the, you know, the travel is a lot. Um, I Now here's one. I would like to see Jada make her debut. I know it's an Olympic qualifier and I know it's pretty much like, uh, you know, a must win game. Um, but like, I just think we've won three nil against Uzbekistan. If you just chuck on Caitlin Ford, Mary Fowler, um, who else do we have? Um, I reckon put on Chloe Legazzo. That's it. Like you've got goals. Okay. Goals galore will come, uh, especially playing in Melbourne. Um, in front of all the fans. So I reckon just put on Jada Wyman, give her a, give her a start, you know, let her have some fun out there. Um, or at least in the next friendly fixture, Jada should get yeah. at least 45 in the next friendly. Um, I did like that, that Charlie Grant got to go on the field. I didn't like that it was at the 90th minute and she yeah. played like two minutes. Um, I think if we're going to sub Ellie off for rest, then you might want to do it earlier. Like if it's load management, <laughs> like why not sub off at least at the 80th? Um, I think overall it's fine. I think if you start Michelle Heyman and Caitlin Ford, you're looking at a much stronger yeah. lineup. Um, but, yeah, I think the, the two up front isn't necessarily doing what we need. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Mary Fowler is best suited as a forward as well. I think her best position is playing as as a 10 and being our creative sort of yeah. player and, and getting those balls in. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think it's working for us. I, it, at least it didn't appear to be working for us. And like I said, it could just be that the conditions were just not suited to them. Uh, yeah. Like we can always argue, oh, yeah, but they should be used to it by now. You know, they play in cold weather. Playing in, in England is not the same as playing in snowing Uzbekistan. Okay, different <laughs> different cultures, different Altitude climates. comes into it as well, wouldn't it? Probably. But, I'm not sure what the altitude level is in I think it's higher in, in uh, Tarkesh. Um <laughs> That's a but, guess. Well, I'm not a geography expert. <laughs> Clearly. Um, someone said it was hot over there. <laughs> Cody. <laughs> Honestly, look, I'm used to when it comes to East Asian, Central Asian games, usually they're like boiling and ridiculously hot. I'm not this kind one. of forgetting where Uzbekistan is on the map. But That's even okay. then, cold weather, high altitude after a training camp in Dubai, you are feeling a climate effect. Yeah, I, I think the Dubai thing was. Uh, it, question mark as well like yeah. why go to Dubai if you're going to be playing in cold weather I don't know it, it just seems a bit silly to me but that's, got, that's probably what it it's is just to kind of get everyone in get them together we're with the 20s as well which I think that's actually 
a brilliant experience for the Tornies to be right near the Matildas first first team squad right before they've got to go to a major tournament. I actually think for them it's actually really, really good. But you're preparing for an Olympic qualifier, yeah, yeah. you've got to think about that game individually as well. Especially like if we're preparing we're going from one extreme to the other. Like they're going I guess Melbourne's not too extreme, but like you're going from middle of winter to then middle of summer in Melbourne and like even that is a climate like it's a huge climate difference. Um and I'm not sure how much impact that'll play it'll probably be better for them actually um a bit more suited to that sort of weather and then if we do qualify you know i'm sure we will um then they have to prepare for playing in middle of summer paris so i think this playing in melbourne is probably a bit better for them um to acclimatize to that and i'm sure they will be it's it's paris it's not going to be crazy but yeah, on your point on Sophie Harding, I I would like to I, I reckon and in, in the same sense of Jada as well, I think, you know, watching them play in a friendly would be really good. And I think they should they deserve to be playing in that sort of um fixture. Um Jada more so because she's been in in and around the camps yeah. um quite a bit and you know, it's not, she's not having the greatest season with Sydney, to be honest, but, you know, I'd love to see her, you know, finally step out onto the field. I think that would be great. Um, and I'd love to see Sophie Harding playing um, for the Matildas, but in a friendly. I don't think that playing her as a winger would be a good option. I think, you know, she's playing as a nine at the Wanderers, and I think in the same sense of what you were saying about Torpy, you know, why do we – have to switch them up when they're so used to playing one position. And I get that there are circumstances where that needs to happen. I just don't think, yeah, maybe these sorts of national team situations are ideal. Best place. Yeah. Uh, um, just to fact check everybody, uh, there is 400 metres of elevation difference between London and Tashkent. Tashkent is higher. Um, and on the weather, we're going from playing in minus uh, zero flat in Tashkent to it's going to be 34 degrees at 7 p.m. Cool. In Melbourne. That sounds more like a Dubai um, preparation. Yeah. So maybe Tony was looking a little further forward than Tashkent. Maybe he was like, cool, if we come out of here with one goal, we're cool. We've got to have everyone ready for 34 to degrees. To be fair, they did like fly out pretty much the day after yeah. or like that night. And they pretty, I think they pretty much packed up and left because they, they landed. They got straight on the plane, yeah. Yeah. So probably wasn't the most ideal situation, but I do really think that – um, Michelle Heyman is a must to be starting yeah. in the next game. I, if we, I 100% agree. If we want goals, Michelle Heyman has to start. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, I did have a, a line of questioning that I've completely forgotten. That's okay. Um, we have put out on our socials that we wanted some questions from you guys, and you guys have answered. Um, so I'm going to put that to our pundits over here to give us um, their thoughts on what you guys are seeing. Um, someone made the same comment about, playing EV up front that it needs to stop. We've agreed with you. That is okay, Lily. We're on your team. Let's uh, look at Samwise. Someone, um, he's come in saying, uh, thoughts on putting Torpy up front instead of the likes of having Seamson in the squad or anything like that. We kind of touched on this, but Remy's just made, uh, been in the squad recently, been on the field, similar positions, things like that. Is That's a, a really good point there is someone like that that's been in and around the squad that is proven in that role. Um, do you think that was good for Remy? Uh, obviously it could be other things Remy, there as well. 
is a great player, but I'm pretty sure she's played 74 minutes this season in okay. total. Um, yes, she's had injuries. She got injured before the season started or like as the season started and that tended her quite a bit. It was quite a lengthy injury. Yep. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's hard to say. Like I would love to see Remy back in the squad. Absolutely. I'm Remy's number one fan. But, you know, if she's not playing, like on what basis can they, um, you know, select her for a national team? Like I think sometimes we forget that like national team is the highest honour. Like this should be like the biggest privilege and it should be given to the best players, you know, to represent your nation. Like this isn't club football. Like, you know, to be selected for the national team, in my opinion, you need to be playing week in, week out. You need to be proving why you're on the national team representing your country. And I think, you know, as much as I love Remy, I think Leicester's a really, you know, a, not a good spot for her to be at the moment. You know, I'd love to see her. Maybe if she goes out on loan, comes back to the A-League or, you know, plays, you know, in another country or something. I just think that for Remy, it's maybe not the best situation for her. And this is the problem she had in Sweden as well. Just like she's just not getting the minutes. I think at one point, like Leicester played her as a midfielder as well, which, you know, it's great that she can be more versatile. And I think that's going to be very handy for her. But if it's not working, it's not working. And she's not playing. So, yeah, I just think it it would be great to see Remy back. But I don't think it's going to happen if she's not getting the minutes. Yeah. Um. Aiden said that he was uh, concerned about our inability to break down the defense. Cody, you touched on this earlier that we were kind of expecting that low block kind of situation where they play nearly every single person behind the ball and try to hit us on a counter. Um, We do see this a lot in Asia. We saw it against Nigeria, as you mentioned. Um, Do we see, do you reckon Uzbekistan change up their style of play going into this next game? Um, being that they have to chase down three goals um, to play a little less counterattacking and be on the front foot but leave the back open? No, and that's mainly <laughs> because if they do that, they'll cop about seven or eight goals. It's, 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 when it comes to those sides as well, and I say this with as little disrespect as possible, even though it's going to be a big slap in the face, that it's not just about a way to try and win a game for them. It's also about trying not to be embarrassed. You look at, let's just say the Philippines. Philippines are arguably, well, not even arguably, they're a more higher quality side than what Uzbekistan are. But if they come out and try and play good football against a side that's clearly superior to them, they can get smacked 7 or 8 nil. You saw it against the Matildas. That's a side with some quality players in it. Uzbekistan aren't, aren't even at that level. If they try and come out against us, they'll hit, we'll hit double digits. And I'm not even saying that as a smart ass. I'm saying that with almost guaranteed certainty. To an extent, they genuinely need to sit back and just make sure, okay, let's just try and not concede too many goals and then maybe we'll be able to get forward and score one or two. And that's probably being a bit gracious. So, no, I don't expect to see anything different from them. We'll be facing the exact same problem. We'll be facing a side that will do everything everything in their power to frustrate us. Unfortunately, Matilda's fans that got on the bandwagon during the World Cup were blessed because they saw us playing against some of the best nations in the world. Yeah. where they were trying to play football against us too. And it was some of the best football you could watch. 
if I was not a football lover watching those games, I would fall in love with it too. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this is the nitty gritty stuff that we need to go through to be able to get to those games where we've got to go through some absolute shit fights. We've got to go through your Irans. We've got to go through your Chinese Taipei's where they are incredibly hard to break down simply because they play with 11 defenders and no strikers. And they come from cultures where they are happy to defend with their lives because it's not just sport for them. It's genuinely a passion. It's a way of life. They're playing against cultures that, like even Uzbekistan, there's a good football culture in that country. I don't know how good it is with the women's, but you look at how their men's football's going. They're on a good trajectory. Football's prevalent in that country. Football's not prevalent in this country. So we play against a side like that. As much as they don't have the talent, there's a passion, there's a will to almost die for your country that I don't know if we 100% have here. That's probably the only thing they have on us because in every other possible aspect, we are better than them. So that's why they try and turn it into a shitfire because you turn it into something like that. You never know, maybe they come out on top. But we'll have to go through the same thing again. Yeah. You need to bring on suppliers that are maybe a little bit more unpredictable and a little bit more assertive in situations like that where they're happy to play through a low block, where they're happy to play in tight spaces. You look at someone like Michelle Heyman, she's a guaranteed finisher. She can finish with players on her back. She can finish with a couple of players in front of her. She can, she's good in the air. She's good with her feet. She's genuinely a complete forward. There's not many aspects of her game that maybe she's not as fast as what she once was, but she's probably still faster than these Uzbekistan defenders, let's be real. Then on top of that, She'll be good in the air. She'll be good from distance. There's different ways you can unlock that back line with her in the lineup. You bring Caitlin Ford in. She's unpredictable. She's a good dribbler. She's good with two or three players around her. She can get out of those tight spaces. That'll be a good option to have. And then Hayley Rasso, she'll run people ragged. Even if it's a thing of 60 minutes, you have her running up and down the line, tiring out a fullback. Then you bring someone on with a little bit of pace that can maybe bring in that added quality in the front third as well. There's options that we have going into this game that can help us to unlock a backline like that a little bit better. And I say this as well, one thing that we've got to consider, I know we've spoken about Emily Van Negmon and it probably wasn't her best game, but there were opportunities that any other striker scores were up 1 or 2 nil earlier in that game. Who knows what happens after that? So, look, football's a funny game in that regard as well. We score one goal early. We're not having this conversation, even though it probably is a relevant conversation. I mean, but to be fair, just sorry to interrupt, but Emily Van Egmont has been on like the back foot for a very long time. Like this isn't a new conversation that's been had. People have been saying this for years. Like Emily Van Egmont has been one of those players where it's like, why are you in the squad when you cannot turn around? There's been moments. I think there was a moment, it could have been in the World Cup, where she was... All she had to do was turn around and pass the ball back to an open space play, a player who was completely unmarked and we would have had a better chance at goal. Instead, she didn't turn around, we lost possession of the ball and we missed a chance at at least a shot on goal. And I think, you know, and that's just one moment that I can visibly remember in the last year. And I think that is why these conversations are happening. Yeah, look, I don't know. I've never seen anything that warrants her being dropped from the squad altogether. I'll say if we have a, if we have a full-strength squad, for me, she wouldn't start. I think that's probably it. She's one that's kind of petering on the side. But then again, we've got young players coming through next to, after the Olympics. I'd be surprised if she's still a mainstay like she is now. Like I said, when it comes to the situation we're in, I'm not surprised she was given the start. You make that decision. You make your bed, you lie in it. Moving forward, though, we've got someone that can come in, play that role, play as an actual nine. And the reality is if we need to move to a centre forward again, maybe we go with the likes of Mary Fowler or Amy Sayer even. She hasn't, we haven't, 
spoken about her in conversation, even though she'd probably been to bring that same impact and she's thought 10 years younger. Even Chloe Lagaza, she's in a bit of form, can play that role. Maybe she would have been an option as well. So yeah. we've, got other, we've got other options there. I'm not going to die on a hill saying that Damley <laughs> Van Egmont needs to be in the squad forever, but um, I'm not going to be as passionate about her being dropped from the squad completely. I don't know if I 100% would go down that path. I can see the argument. I don't know if I'm going to go with said argument. I think that's yeah. the best way I can describe it. But there's there's little things that if they go our way, we're not having this conversation. There's also little things that we can do to make sure it goes our way, and we don't have this conversation again. The reality. So we'll see a difference. We'll see a different lineup. Hopefully, when it comes to Melbourne, I think we'll see us get on the board a little bit quicker. As much as it's going to be a big game for Uzbekistan, be a historic game for them. I don't think they'll have played in front of a crowd of fifty-five thousand people. So. I hope they take that experience as for what it is and it's something that they'll be able to tell their grandchildren about in reality. But that could also be an uh, overbearing atmosphere for them and one they could really, really struggle in. So it could that could even play in our favour as well. That's I mean, right. Or are we just as quiet? Yeah, to be fair, I remember being at Melbourne for the Canada game. That was fantastic. That was actually yeah, but one think of, about where that was. Amy Park. Exactly. Was a fantastic exactly. football facility. Exactly. Yeah. Look, um, active support turn up. I do apologise. I can't exactly just get out of work. Um for every single game that's being played. But it, I, I hope those guys turn up in numbers as well, those guys and girls, because they were fantastic to watch the World Cup with. Obviously, they will do, Michelle, you're, you're a big part of that. But They will do their absolute best, but it'll be everyone around them yeah. as well. well hopefully I put them at the back of a base so no one's complaining about them standing up. Oh, mate. We'll see. Um, that's a conversation for a different day, Cody. <laughs> so, that's an hour in itself. Uh, isn't it just? So we go from... Zero degrees with two and a half thousand fans in Central Asia to thirty-four degrees with fifty-five thousand um, here at home this week, folks. It's going to be great. Um, one of the last questions: a lot of people were wondering what Maka was doing. We saw it; she was jumping around trying to keep herself warm. That's all she was doing. She had one shot to kind of really worry about. Yeah, they showed her jumping around doing star jumps and trying to stay warm, but in that kind of temperature doing absolutely nothing that's pretty much all she was was an ice block um so just on um sorry to interrupt you <laughs> that's okay. mr josh um but just on like the breaking down the defense i don't think we needed to worry too much like about them like i think we were fine like breaking through pretty well we, it was you know, just the finishing they they didn't really have much of a defense to be honest with all due respect to uzbekistan but we had 27 shots and only nine on target and i think that is more of an issue so i think it was the finishing that was the issue we were in the final third we had the whole game like we had like just quickly looking at some of these stats we had 562 passes 71% possession Pass accuracy of 85%. We even had more fouls than them. We had nine fouls. Um, we had 12 Is that corners. What fouls we won or committed? Committed. <laughs> oh, fuck. How do we commit more fouls than them? Oh, they, if you watch the game, they were on the ground quite a bit. It was it, it was one it. of those sorts of games. <laughs> oh, but like, it, wasn't, it wasn't as bad as Chinese Taipei, but it was, <laughs> it was close Iran to game. That was Oh, bad. yeah, no, the sorry. Iran that's game. the one. I, yeah, it's the Iran game. Yes. Yeah, no, it wasn't well, as bad as that. But it, but it was similar. But yes, so we had the game. You know, the game was ours. It was just our finishing or lack thereof that was apparent. So I think realistically. Oh, question, Michelle. You're yes, obviously sir. our stats person. Do you have a map of where those shots were taken? Majority, like a shot um, map of I where we're taking shots from? On Opta Jason, there may have been. Oh, no, actually, I don't think they've posted anything about it. 
but they did um, share a little graph of, um, oh yeah, they do have a lot of the shots. And there was a majority of them were in, were in the like, box. Were in the box. Yeah, that speaks to your point then. It's a clinical issue. And that's kind of what I was trying to lean to as well. I could see, even from what I saw, well, creating chances, we're getting in the box. It was probably more of a finishing issue. So it's a final third issue disguised, or it's another issue disguised as a final third issue. We'll break it. We're actually kind of breaking them down, all right, then. But yeah, you can get in those positions. You never know. They might still be putting a bit of pressure on us. There's still a lot of numbers around. Even if you're getting in the box, it doesn't necessarily mean you got a clear shot of goal at the end of the day. No, of so course. in that regard, yeah, some of the changes that we've been talking about, bringing in a proper number nine, having Caitlin Ford start, it probably still fixes that. But yeah, maybe the issue was a bit more clinical rather than tactical. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, that is our hot take on game number one, folks. We are going to keep this one short because we are doing a double show week for you. We were going to try and keep this to half an hour. We're 15 minutes over, but for us, that's pretty good. <laughs> um, so, you got me and Michelle here, man. We, we ain't going in half an hour. <laughs> so how this is going to work is you guys are going to hear this episode on Tuesday. Um if you are listening, make sure you're checking out, uh, if you're a fan of our goalkeepers, the goalkeeper jerseys will release on Football Australia's website uh, tomorrow. So make sure you're listening, uh, checking that out on Wednesday um, for anyone that wants to support uh, the goalkeepers with their jersey, which I'm super excited to see. It's going to be cool. Um, but we are back playing in Melbourne Wednesday night. I think it's an 8 p.m. kickoff again. Am I right? I am yeah. right. Look at me go. 8 p.m. Uh, you will find that on Paramount and 10 Plus again. Um, for those struggling with the stream, I have found that 10 Plus has a better strength of stream than Paramount. So maybe double check that out um, if you guys struggled like I did this week. Um, um, that could also be because the stream was coming from Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan. So it's not Channel 10. And it definitely wasn't high definition at all. I mean, all. we saw how it was in the <laughs> AFC Women's Club Championship. <laughs> I don't. I still don't understand why seconds. people think that we have Channel Ten cameras set up in Uzbekistan. You guys, they send us a stream that we put on the TV. Remember Canada? Remember Canada? Yeah. Okay. It's not us. <laughs> so we will have our own cameras, which will be great. So, um, eight PM Wednesday, game two to qualify for the Olympics. Actually. Before we go any further, let's touch on the other game that's happening in Asia. Um, North Korea held Japan to a nil draw um, for leg one, which is going to be very interesting. They are playing concurrently with us. They start, I think, half an hour after our kickoff. I think they kick off at 8.31 or something random um, like that. So that'll be a very interesting game to kind of keep a score check on. Um, meanwhile, Spain have qualified uh, for the Olympics as well over in Europe um, as they defeated uh, Netherlands uh, and France beat Germany. So now Netherlands and Germany will play in the third playoff match because France has already qualified to see who comes through from Europe. I think that's all the updates from uh, the Olympics around the world as well. So we'll be back with leg two for your ears Friday. Um, we will also cover everything that's going to come up in the coming week in the A-League and everything like that. Um, I don't – do we go straight back to games that weekend? Yes, sir. No, yes, sir. Let's go ring the bell. Um, so we will uh, see you guys later this week with hopefully a celebratory podcast as we hopefully can pack our bags for Paris. Uh, thank you, and we'll be back next week. Bye. Good job, guys. Um, 
So I was looking at more of those stats. Thanks up to Jason. Thanks company I work for. Um, That's what I asked you. I had a feeling you'd know you'd have if anyone was going to have it, it would have been you. Yeah, I mean, I can always ask them as well. Can you send me stats from the Uzbekistan game, please? Um, but Steph Catley made fifteen passes, ending in the final third, uh, with an accuracy of a hundred percent. 